Good morning once again. Oh, come, all ye faithful. We've been doing a series on the carols if you've been here. If not, you can, I, I know the video might not be up, but you can go to uh, iTunes and you can listen there if you want to catch up. Oh, come, all ye faithful. I love this particular hymn like I love all of them. Or some of you might affectionately call it, Oh, come, let us adore him. And we want to talk this morning some about adoration, but I want to get into this story. It's Matthew chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 12, if you have a copy of the scriptures to look at this morning. It's this song that we sang to begin this service today. It's an affirmation of our hearts. It's a declaration that we love Christ, that we've come to adore. We, we've come to worship. We've come to receive Christ. Long ago, the Magi, as they traveled, as the shepherds gathered there around the manger, around baby Jesus, they were there with expectant hearts, with worshipful hearts. And maybe we come that way this morning. I, I hope we do. But the thing that Jesus does, Jesus always reveals the heart of mankind. He reveals how ugly and shameful and sinful we are. He also reveals to us his incredible love of how much he cares for us and how he pursues us. And here in the second chapter of Matthew, you just see this exposure. You, you, you see one of these writings of the gospel writers, just the coming of Christ. And I get so excited about the coming of Jesus the first time, but then I get so excited about that he'll come again. How many of you believe he'll come again? You ought to be here in January. The whole series will be called The Return from 2 Thessalonians. But we want to focus this morning here on this particular coming of Christ. And look there in chapter 2 of Matthew with me. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, the Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born the King of the Jews? And we saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. And then notice there in verse 3, in steps, <coughs> excuse me, an earthly king, King Herod. He heard that this was, and he was disturbed one translation says, and he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all these people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born, in Bethlehem in Judea. They replied, for this is what the prophets have written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. And we'll continue with this story, but here he is, he's troubled and, and, and a little bit later he says, but I want to go, I, I want you to go, I want to find out where this king is because I must go and worship him. Man, he was just lying. He really didn't want to worship him. He wanted, he wanted to take him out. He, here's what I know about Herod. Herod, want, Herod wanted no competition. He wanted no rivals. He wanted nobody to envy or be a part of the kingdom. He thought the kingdom was for him. I think Herod, I read about Nebuchadnezzar, I read about these kings in the Old Testament. They have huge, massive egos, and man, they, they want it for themselves. Also, Herod, he built the second great temple. He also was a murderer. I mean, he just wasn't a nice guy. And here he is, he definitely didn't want to do anything to honor Jesus, but he was, he was paranoid. He was paranoid that this earthly king, this king from heaven that he says, and he was, that he would get the glory, that he would get the credit. And Herod's like, no, but it is for my honor. I want people to pay honor to me. I'm thinking, man, this, this guy's sick. I mean, it just represents to me that <clears throat> Herod has a very calloused heart. And I just want us to think about our hearts. Sometimes our hearts get kind of corroded, calloused, hard, insensitive. 
And this heart is not in the least way bent toward the Christ child. But he didn't know. He thought, I am large and I'm in control. And he didn't understand that this babe in Bethlehem was very large, very in control, very sovereign, very ruler. Come on, church, is that good news? And here's the one, the king of kings and the ruler of rulers and the Lord of lords. And he's coming because, hey, I don't want anybody to rival me. I have a heart that's callous. He also, I'd say he has a heart that is in rebellion. He's in a rebellion toward God. He has nothing that he wants to do with him. His heart's indifferent. You know, a lot of times in, in this day, you had these people that would take the scriptures and they would copy the manuscripts and they would pass on and some of them knew scripture and some of them didn't and they would begin to uh, share and they would travel these distances and, and share in different communities and villages. But in the story, and you've read it so many times, there's some people that go to check out Jesus. They travel. And I, I think it's amazing, you know, some will say they traveled hundreds of miles, the Magi's, they traveled that way, or a thousand miles, and yet you had, uh, you had the, the religious leaders of the temple, the religious leaders of the day, they couldn't even travel from Jerusalem over to Bethlehem five miles. And then I thought about us. How many times Christ is exalted in the church. He's exalted among his people. There's a church on this corner. In this city, there's a church every 600 yards. My friends come here and they're going, y'all are the most church city I've ever seen. Matter of fact, I saw a study recently and it says per capita, Montgomery, Alabama is the second most church city in America. Yeah, we have more church. It didn't mean we're more religious. It doesn't mean we have more churches. And I went, yeah. It, you know, all the time people call me, they go, hey, can we go to lunch? We want to start a new church. I'm like, really? Do we need another one? It's kind of like I ought to be on the planning board for drugstores. Do we need another drugstore in Montgomery? Do we need another this? We need another day I was at East Chase, and they're going to get ready to put a new pizza place in. Good luck. They just had one the other day. Somebody's got a huge debt on it, and they're paying for it. Now they're building a new one. I'm thinking, crazy. But anyway, let's keep going. I, I just wanted to know how I really felt about it, okay? Could it be that this heart was indifferent? Sure, it was indifferent among these people, but I think today our hearts grow indifferent toward the things of Christ. We grow cold and calloused and hard, and Christ comes near. And here's the star leads them on into Jerusalem, and, and then there, and then he moves over to Bethlehem, and they go, and the, and the star stops, and I'll get in all that. Matter of fact, I, I could talk, I did a lot of study this week about the star, and, and there's a, a source called the star by Rick Larson. You might want to write it down. It's down there under the sources, and I started to do this big thing on it, and last night the Holy Spirit just wouldn't let me do it, so I took it all out of my notes. <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's a great presentation. The, the guy's an attorney, and, he, and he's, a, he's a follower of Jesus, but at the same time, it's a, it's a big theory, and I thought, man, I could talk about a lot of things, and it's very fascinating, and he does have some scripture in there, so it's really good. It's worth your time, but I thought, you know what? I just want to proclaim what I know that I know and not a theory, and the church said. Now, I, I would love for us to have a small group on it and talk about it. It's fascinating, but this study, the, but here, and, and then there's all these theorems out there and theories and what happened, and you know, and then this was a star, and then Jupiter and Saturn, all these uh, the planets aligned. And then we, he has software in our day so they could do the mathematical uh, computations to show what the sky looked like in Bethlehem a couple thousand years ago. And some of you are going, cool. And some of you are like, dude, I can't even add. 
How am I going to know what the planetary system looked like? But it is really fascinating. Somebody, how many of you like the planetarium? We got any people here who just like the planetarium? Yeah, so it's probably a good thing I didn't share all that research with you. Okay, <clears throat> I had four people raise their hand. Well, maybe we could get together after Christmas. Okay, so there's all this disturbed heart and sensitive heart, and then I think it comes down to a, a, sinking, uh, a seeking heart, a heart that seeks after Christ. And these magi, now in your Bible, it, it says magi. Matter of fact, in the NIV that I'm reading from, it says the magi. In your translation, it might read the wise men, wise men. Magi, the kings. We have all these different things that we say. And, and I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't want you to hate me. Is that, will, will you promise me you won't hate me after I tell you this? <laughs> Some of you are like, no, what are you going to tell me? Okay. Our Christmas cards are messed up, okay? You see, we have, we have the three kings, and we have the shepherd, and we have the angel, and we have the animals, and we have all that. And that's all really great. But guys, when, when you read the scripture loosely, or closely, not loosely, and you see there are not three, the Bible doesn't even say that there's three. It says plural, the magi, or the three, or the, the, the three. See, listen to me. The, the kings, there, there was more than one, and they came. But it says later they came to the house after the circumcision of Jesus. And some of you are like, but, but I like the Hallmark version. I'm just telling you, do you want to be biblical? You're like, well, no, I just want to celebrate that. A lot of times we sing these songs, and they're really close, or they're really good, and like they it, 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 it maybe extend it, but I'm just telling you here, this magi thing, but here, here's what I know. These magi, they're wise men. And then people go, oh, what were their names? That was a tradition a few hundred years ago that somebody gave them names. Do you see names in your Bible? No. So I'm not going to say, Pastor Keith has some secret revelation. He's going to tell you their name. That's called tradition. That's called legend, okay? And it all, it's like Gaspar, Balthazar, Melchar, you know, the word in, in the Greek, magoi, magi, uh, and, you, and out of that word, we can take out the word magic, magistrate, all these different things. But what I do know, Herodias, the Greek historian, specialized in reading the dreams of people. And according to him, he says, from the reading of the book of Daniel, there was wise men, magi, and Babylon, but there were wise men there, and Nebuchadnezzar had troubling dreams. Remember reading about Nebuchadnezzar, and he had these dreams, and he wanted somebody to interpret them? And da who interpreted his dreams? Daniel. And Daniel could interpret dreams. God basically made him chief over the magi. So he had tremendous influence over the people of the day. And these, these magi that traveled, these people that were in astronomy, they were into astrology. Some readings, commentators say they were pagan people at best. They traveled a distance, so let's give them some credit. They did move toward Christ. But I'm, I'm, just, you know, I'm just wondering, sometimes we, we go, what? But, but, but I think that Daniel had influence over them. He, he primed their pump as, as he was chief in the land to think about the coming of a king. Let me give you a scripture over in Numbers, a star will arise in Judah and a king will come from Israel. Where is this king born of the king of kings? And don't miss here that these, these uh, pagan magi, these astrologers, these people that move in, the, the scripture, if you read on down through there, it does say they bowed. They bowed. You know, I was thinking about the Bible says that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that 
Everybody will. Pagans and saved people, but it'll be too late for those that don't know Christ. So here in this story, you see that there's a declaration there. They're, they're over it. They're deciding his lordship. Look at verse 9. I just want to jump down there. After they'd heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they'd seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now, I bet you have read that like I have for a long time. And the star moved, the star traveled, and it stopped. Now, some go, this was uh, a comet. Do comets stop? No. So I don't think it was a comet. Do stars stop? Not usually. All I'm saying is, I'm not trying to mess you up. That's not my goal. But I want you to think about, you know, and then they did all this research about the star and how it moved and it aligned. And all I know is God can do, I mean, if God can take a virgin and bring forth a child, God can stop a star. Amen? But it could have been, it was just the manifestation, the incredible glory of Christ that just lit up. Unbelievable. How many think God can do that too? I mean, if he could take a burning bush and get somebody's attention, you think he could do this? Sure, he's, he's declaring to us that he's come near. And so there's all these barriers that we put up sometimes about around the Christmas story. And here, uh, for them, there could have been a barrier of a distance. But you know, I told you, they traveled a long ways to get to the Christ child. So they didn't let distance separate them. Another thing that I thought about that was kind of interesting here, because they, they did come in to worship him. Numbers 24, 17 says, A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. And here in verse 11, look, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother. Let me go back to verse 10. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They were moved. Ecstatic joy. Exceeding, exceeding joy. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshiped him. I love that, that, that whole idea of they worshiped. I was just thinking about Christmas this year, 2016. Next Sunday will be Christmas. And I just want you to slow down sometime over the course of this week, maybe this afternoon, and worship. You're saying, well, I worshiped this morning. That's a great start. I pray that every day, I, I was in my study early this morning and late last night, and I was just thinking, Jesus, I'm always studying for messages. I'm always doing this and that and calling people and following up with sick and depressed and lonely and hurting. But I said, Jesus, I just want to slow down and make sure that I get captured by you, that I get enamored with your presence, and I want to worship. And I just had an amazing moment. And, and you're saying, well, man, pastor, that's for you. No, that's for you. How many of you want to worship this Christmas? You, you got to slow down. You got to somehow turn off. Yesterday, you know, we're almost through shopping. No, my wife's almost through shopping. I don't like to shop, but the last, but I go out and do a little. And I went out the other day and <clears throat> had to get some medicine. When I got through, I was like freaking out. And uh, and then uh, and then yesterday I went and I, I just thought I'd go to this store. And then I had this bright idea I'd go to another store. And then the other day I went to the candle store. What was I thinking? So I. Oops, I wasn't supposed to say that. Anyway, well, I, I, ah, I can't believe I said that. Anyway, I went to this store. And uh, so I went to this store, and I walked in, and it was a Friday, and I thought, pe most people are still having to work, right? Wrong. 
all the way to the back. And man, I was in there and I had the joy of the Lord and I had a good, I really did. I decided I'm going to put on my worship and I'm going to have fun right now. And I started talking to people in line and, and you know, just doing all this. And it was an hour of ecstatic joy. And then I went up to my car quickly and I went home. I said, forget it, man. I, uh, 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 and some of you are like, pastor, you should go with me this afternoon. I should not. Okay, all right, so here it is. Verse 11, they came into the house. They worshiped. So this house here, uh, you know, I mean, Jesus, uh, at this point, it's a little later in the story. So how old was he? He was definitely, you know, probably a toddler. I don't know, but, but they worshiped. It doesn't matter. He, he's only here for 33 years, but they, they honored him. They adored him. They, they blessed him. Another barrier they overcame was race and religion. There were a lot of mixed religions and pagan worship today but also in the day of jesus and what was interesting is uh these folks were persians and they had to overcome that and and they might even have a question why should we leave our religion and follow this god that we don't know and yet the spirit of god led them to travel to worship i i love how you think about when you came to christ the Holy Spirit drew you. You did not draw yourself. My radical story of my own testimony was I was not seeking after Christ. Christ drew me to himself. And I would say your story is re of your redemption is your mom and dad, your grandparents, your friends, your teacher, your coach, they shared Christ with you, absolutely. But the Holy Spirit drew you. How many believe that, church? Christ draws us to himself. As he did that first Christmas, he's still drawing people. And here he is. He's wonderful, and he's, he's, he's there to be worshipped. And another thing that I see, they overcame being selfish. I mean, they, they packed it up, and, and they went. And I think, man, just write that in the margin today. That's something that you and I have to overcome in America and Western world. If, if we're honest, we are selfish people. Would anybody here agree with that besides me? Okay. Would any of you say you're selfish? Yeah, I mean, we all are at some point. Some of you are like, well, not my mom, man. She, like, she just gives you everything. Like, when there's food in the pan, she always gives me her helping. Like, well, your mom is a saint. That's all I can tell you, you know? You, you know, she never said your dad gave you his helping. Okay, anyway. No, I mean, you, you, you dads would. I know y'all are great. But, but he recognizes. But I want you to see, I want you to move down here because I want you to see something interesting. So they bow down, they worship, they open their treasures, and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Three gifts. Now, because of this gold that they gave for the king, for the kingship, they were able to do their trip into Egypt where they had to wander away from Herod because Herod was, had put a decree. He wanted to kill all the boys under two years of age. And then two years later, it's amazing, King Herod's dead. God takes him out. But he, he, just, he, he was really puzzled by this Jesus. But gold was the king of, of metals it was the gold of uh, it was the metal of kingship and so they present to him uh, gold and then they and so you're like well and some of you're like well, i love gold i love when people give me gold like give me a gold ring with a diamond on it and man things are good or just give me a gold cross or give me a gold nugget just give me gold and so gold gold was a great gift but then this frankincense and you're going now i don't know so much about the frankincense well, basically what it is, it's a gum resin that was used by the priests, and it was used as they would have incense burning. It was an offering 
pleasing to the Lord. It was a, an aroma that was released. But I found out something that I thought was interesting. It comes in these little uh, crystal forms, if you will. And, and until, until the crystals are crushed, they have to be crushed. Until they're crushed, then they release their smell, their fragrance. And something I never thought about till this week was Isaiah 53. He was pierced for our sins and our iniquities and equities. He was crushed for our sin. The chastisement of his peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So it's amazing that they gave gold and they gave frankincense. But look at this next gift. What did they give? Myrrh. Myrrh is a sap that comes from a tree in Saudi Arabia, and it's used for perfume. It's, it's a spice, if you will. It's an embalming fluid. Now, <clears throat> in our day, we have baby showers all the time. I dare you not to show up with embalming fluid to your friend's baby shower. I mean, that's just, that's like, that's weird, okay? But all this just signifies to me this child, the Christ child, was born to die. Jesus was born to die that we might live forever. So they went and they presented this gold and this frankincense and this myrrh and the gold was maybe fitting for the lordship. Let's just go there for the lordship of Christ. The frankincense was for the fellowship, the sweet communion of his presence. The myrrh was for that perfume to embalm the dead that we shall live again. Isn't that the great hope of a Christian? We will not die, but we will live again. You know, when I get this text about Jason and his stepdad, I was just praying and hurting for them, but then I thought, but thanks be to God who gives us Jesus, and because of Jesus, his stepdad lives forever with his faith in Jesus Christ, and it doesn't end there. So, I mean, it's sad there's a, an absence, as, as we know, in, in death. But this exceeding great joy here of finding Christ. And, and I just thought about us. What kind of joy do we have? Now here, I want to just get to this. I'm, I gotta, I, man, I got so excited about this, I forgot to fill in the outline. Advent is not just about acknowledging Jesus, but enduring him. This Christmas, don't just acknowledge God's son, Jesus, Emmanuel. Adore him magnify him, exalt him, worship him, give him your praise, give him the best gift that you have of worship this season, this day. I, I just love it. Lord, we've come to adore you. Lord, we can't go to Bethlehem, but we can join them of Bethlehem. We can join them in the chorus of worship. We, we can sing the right songs. We can have the right prayers. We can have the right music. We can do all this right stuff. But man, if we miss worship, man, we've missed it. So there's, there's no substitute for, for the heart. Our words are good, but man, what's in our heart? Man, I, I pray it's worship that we, that we worship in spirit. We worship in truth. You know, we started this church 21 years ago. It was the first true contemporary church in our region. There were some Maranatha kind of blended tradition, contemporary, but we wanted to be a contemporary church. Now everybody does it. And over the years, people have had fights. Oh, man, you're that contemporary church. I bet y'all got snakes on stage. <laughs> and they laugh like we do. They're all running all across here, you know. Like, and they're like, 
and people to this day they go, man, I go to that community church. What do y'all do? And we were, you know, like we were early community church, and now people are like, oh, they're safe. They love Jesus. Okay. And then you got the traditional church, and they've got the big pipe organ and and, and loud music and, and the rituals and lectionaries and all this great stuff. Great, man. Jesus is being proclaimed. Here's all I want to know. I don't want us to fight about traditional and contemporary. I want us to worship Christ in whatever form. Amen? And we're a very contemporary church, but i got to tell you, Saturday night, it'll be very traditional in a lot of senses, and then it'll have a, a flair of the contemporary, and it'll just be majestic because Jesus is here. Jesus wants to be worshipped. I want you to write down this thought. I love, I love the writer C.S. Lewis. He, brilliant mind. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says. We adore what is most precious to us. The miser adores his wealth. The evolutionist might adore his knowledge. We all have what is called an overwhelming first. Write down the word, overwhelming first. The New Testament teaches that the spot that should be reserved for Jesus. Adoration is our privilege, but it is also our obligation. He is worthy to be first. That's what I'm praying today, man. And Jesus just overwhelms you and me today, tomorrow, next Saturday, next Sunday morning, spring of 2017. Man, Jesus, come and let us experience you this Christmas and refocus our lifestyle. And Lord, we know that adoration is going to be costly, but we want to adore you. People ask me all the time, man, what is, what's Christmas about? I could have told you about St. Nicholas and the Bishop of Smyrna and all, on and on and on and the, how it all started in a really good sense. But it all comes down to this. It comes back down to Jesus. That's what Christmas is. Christmas is about the presence of Christ. And Lord, I just pray that somehow we get into worshiping you and that we remember. Let, let, me, let me just challenge you as I challenge myself. This next Sunday morning, some of you will be here, some of you will not. Don't forget Jesus in your celebration because it's his birthday that we celebrate it's his birthday that we commemorate it's his coming that we acknowledge it's his coming that we adore so Christ we we want to worship you and how much we love you and fill this in Christmas is about worship first and then witness I've really tried to drive this today because I just want it to be so focused in your heart and mind Jesus, Christmas is worship. We want to worship you. But then, Lord, because we worship, we want to witness. Here's what I read the other day, a new study. 57% of all people that are invited to a Christmas Eve service will attend. This next Saturday, a lot of you will be traveling. A lot of you won't be. I beg you as your pastor to come. But to please invite people to come with you. There's something about inviting people to worship Christ. And I find just as these pagan magi journeyed for the king, I find that people that don't have faith are open to a church invitation. And you just ought to invite them. Always meet more people at Christmas Eve. The sad thing is they don't usually come back. But it's an opportunity to... to worship and to witness and to share the hope of the season so lord with exceedingly great joy we come to worship let's pray together lord it is so good to just be here among kids of faith children of faith 
Maybe some seekers of faith. Maybe some that aren't convinced. And Jesus, I thank you that you've come and you've made it clear that there's one way to the Father and it's through you. And because of your coming, you invite me to receive you. So Lord, I pray that today there'd be a spirit of openness and that people will receive Christ and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to save them from their sin and give them life eternal. Lord, I pray that we would not be faithless, but we would be faithful, that we would follow after the star, that we would follow after the Christ child, and that we would adore him. Lord, slow us down. Lord, maybe vacation starts tomorrow. Maybe it starts in another week. Maybe it just doesn't start. Maybe we're just in retail. But Lord, whatever the season brings, I pray that it brings a new awareness of your presence. Lord, we love you. Help us to overcome excuses. Lord, I thank you that you've come for Jews and Gentiles. You've come for all of us. So come. Come. Oh, come, all you faithful. Come and adore this Christ who is the Lord. Amen.